Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you have your Bibles, smartphones, tablets, and you want to follow on, we are looking at that passage, John chapter 17. My, it's good to see Garnet up and able to walk towards the front and, and, and read. It's uh, uh, good to see it. We've been praying, praying for him, so that is, that, is, that is pretty awesome. I'm very, very thankful. Uh, this is the fourth Sunday of Lent. We've been working our way through John chapter 17. It's the prayer of Jesus, and, and uh, we're going to look at part of the prayer that he prayed today, the part that uh, Garnet read. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the church has a public relations problem. When Christians are portrayed on television, they are either naively stupid or out of step with the times or hypocrites or just plain evil. When Christians make the news, it usually isn't for anything good. If you ask people outside of the church what Christians are like, words like judgmental, hypocritical, bigoted, misogynistic come up. If you probe a little deeper and you ask, well, do you know Christians like that? And then the answer is no, but that's what they're like. Um, my daughter would often run into this at, uh, with her university friends. They would talk about how Christians were these awful kinds of people, and they would say, well, well, I'm a Christian. And they said, well, no, no, we, do, we don't mean you. It's just, you know, it's just those other people, right? Sad thing is that most Christians I know are really good people. I've seen a few bad apples in my day. I've also witnessed evil done in the name of God. But for the most part, the, the people who claim to be Christ followers are, are good people. But I think we're often known for what we're against rather than what we're for. And we here at Asbury, we, we want to be known for being for Perth. Um, we want to see our town and our county flourish. Uh, we are for real love. We want to see peoples and families strong um, with uh, good relationships. We, we're for people who are struggling with mental illness or physical handicaps. We're, we're for the hurting and the vulnerable. We serve a God who, of love, and, and one of our prime directives, of course, is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I used to think that, and still do think sometimes, that if people got to know us, well, they would like us. Then we come to Jesus' words in today's scripture. John chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. What's up with that? I, I thought that if we loved our neighbors, well, we would provoke a positive response. What are you talking about, Jesus? I've given you, given them your word, and the world has hated them. You may remember a couple weeks ago, I, I talked about how Jesus uses the word world in this prayer. He's not talking about the earth. He's talking about a place that, that takes no thought of God. He's talking about a place that, 
sometimes knowingly and most often unknowingly sets itself against God. He's talking about a people who ignore God at best or are rebelling against God. And even though people take no thought of God or rebel against them, this is what God thinks of the world. John 3.16, let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves the world. God loves the world that takes no thought of him. Uh, he does his best to help the world see who he is. Then Jesus continues in this passage in John, John 17, he says this, For God did not send a son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. God loves the world, so he sent his one and only son to save the world. God's son said, I am the light of the world. But the verdict is, lights come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light. Well, back to our passage in John chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For not, they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, you've given your life to Jesus. You said, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I'm going to follow you. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, part of your identity is that you are not of this world. Paul puts it this way, but our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. Peter puts it this way, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sins and desires that wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Paul says your citizenship is in heaven. Paul says you're foreigners and exiles. You're, you're like immigrants in this world. This isn't your home country, but you're, you're, you're living here. You are not of this world. You're part of the kingdom of God. While you're here in this world, amongst the world, you're exiles. That's who you are. Why am I spending so much time on this? Well, as a pastor, it is my job to prepare you to live well in this world. And to live well in this culture. And our culture is rapidly changing. 
back about 50, 60 years ago, we had a, a country that more or less agreed on what was good and evil, right and wrong. Uh, the reason for this is uh, the definitions of those things came from an external authority. Might have been our parents, might have been the church, might have been a teacher, might have been our community, might even have been the law. One time, many people believed if it was legal, it must be moral. But I digress. But there was a loss in, of faith in public institutions. In the States, it began with the Vietnam War of the 60s, Watergate of the 70s. That was mirrored in Canada, especially in Quebec, with the Quiet Revolution, with a, a loss of faith in the Catholic Church. Rebellion against authority was was brought into the mainstream, steam, brought into the mainstream, as reflected uh, in songs by like Pink Floyd's "I Don't Need No Education." So, if external authority was where we learned what was right and wrong, good and bad, but we decided to rebel against authority, where do we find out what's good and bad, right and wrong? How do we discover what's true? Well, the first thing we did in the mid-80s and into the 90s was we turned to what was known as deconstructionism, postmodernism, really big in the 90s. I lived in the middle of a, a university culture uh, setting at that time, and it was all the rage. Now, I'm simplifying this, but basically what it was taught is the idea of, of good and bad, right and wrong, they're constructs. They're, um, they're just what we make them out to be. There's no such thing. They, they only exist because we think they exist. Um, no such thing as evil. It's just, you know... That, that, that's only a construct. We, we've only made a philosophy and, and, and put those labels on things, but that, that, there's no such thing. And that philosophy lasted until September 11th, 2001, 9-11, when we witnessed on television airplanes crashing into the Twin Towers in New York City. And all of a sudden, it got really hard to say there's no such thing as evil because we'd witnessed it, and that was blatantly evil. It's funny, the quick change. In, in, in the, the 1990s, I, I couldn't pick up a book or uh, read a magazine article that didn't have something to do with postmodernism and deconstruction, but after that, within a year, that kind of just faded away into the shadows. Um, so people had to go back to the question. How do you know what's good and bad, right and wrong? How do you discover truth? So we jettisoned external authority, but we found out that there actually are some things that are good and bad. So how do we figure those things out? 
Well, the discussion quickly turned to our feelings. Um, my feelings determine what is good and bad, right and wrong. My feelings determine what is true. Now, everyone has their own truth, and if it feels right, well, it must be right. And if it feels wrong, it must be wrong. Um, if you feel like the elections were rigged, they must have been rigged, right? Or if you feel like the earth is flat, ah, it must be flat. The idea of truth goes right to our identity. I am who I feel I am. And the internet has accelerated these things because you can find a, a group to validate any feeling you have. Problem comes when we run into others whose feelings validate a different version of reality than the one that we have. And so, if I disagree with you, that disagreement makes you feel bad. And if you feel bad, then not only is what I'm saying wrong, I must be wrong. I'm an unsafe person. I feel like you're an unsafe person because you're disagreeing with me. And... Um, Now, I've summarized the last 60 years in about five minutes, uh, and you might have guessed I've left out some things. But here's the point. We live in a world where truth is determined internally. But we are followers of Jesus who said, verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am not of the world. Our authority for right and wrong, for good and bad, what is truth, is still external. It comes from the word that Jesus has given us. And it doesn't agree with everyone's feelings. And that causes us problems. Now when Jesus was speaking to the disciples, he was talking about two different external authorities. Jesus taught that we're called to have a relationship with God the Father. The religion of the time taught that our life is to center around being uh, fulfilling the law. He said, if you follow my way, telling the disciples, it's going to cause you to be hated. After all, Jesus, being who he was, perfect, was crucified. Now our authority is different. It is an internal authority versus the way of Jesus. And just as in Jesus' day, having an authority that's different than the culture around you causes discipleship, disciples problems. It'll cause us problems. A few years back, um, Trinity Western in Langley, B.C., which is a Christian liberal arts college. I know some people who taught there. Good people, like really good people. 
But they went to court because they were wanted to start a law degree, a law program. The province and the Law Society of BC argued that they should not be eligible to grant law degrees. And here was the issue. Trinity Western, being a Christian university, asked the students and faculty to sign a community covenant. And this community covenant basically said, you know, we're going to love our neighbors, we're going to um, follow Jesus. It also had in it that we are not going to have sex outside of marriage while we're students, uh, either heterosexual or homosexual sex. On the basis of that, the province and the law society said they don't have the right to grant degrees. After all, a community that asked for that kind of commitment while they were students, and only while they were students, must be bigoted and they must be homophobic. The Ontario Law Society went so far as to say that if Trinity Western did grant degrees, that the Ontario Law Society would not be allowed then to be called to the bar in Ontario. Please note that they were not asking for students to force their views on others. They were just saying that as part of a Christian community, this is the way we choose to live. The court ruled against the university. Uh, it was said that while the community covenant was in force, that they cannot grant a law degree. He essentially said that if you are choosing to be part of a community that chooses not to have sex outside marriage, heterosexual, homosexual, if you're in part of a community that says you can't do that in university, you are not moral enough to practice law. Um, now, I get that not having sex outside marriage is a weird concept to most of our culture. But we make choices because of Jesus. It's a choice that, as my kids would say, get a lot of shade thrown your way. Given them your word, the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Christians can apply for medical school these days. However, if it comes up in your interview that you will choose not to participate in abortions, your chances of getting into medical school become minuscule. I'm not talking about thwarting other people from having abortions. I'm just choosing, saying choosing not to participate in them. I could go on about the shade thrown towards Christians in university and how it's difficult to be a Christian in university, especially in some programs how it's difficult to be a Christian in a number of different professions. Well, you get the idea. And I know that a lot of you endure disrespect from family members because you follow Jesus. I get that. So how do we handle this? Verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, 
but you protect them from the evil one. Talked about this last Sunday, but just let me say, we live in a world where hate begets hate, but Jesus' way is the way of love. You love your neighbors, you love your enemies, you love always. So when the world hates you for walking the way Jesus said, what do you do? You love them. You be wise, be shrewd as serpents, but as harmless as doves, but you love them. But you see, if, if Satan had his way, we would return hate for hate. Because that's the natural thing to do. That's why Jesus says, protect them from the evil one. Jesus isn't praying that you'll be taken out of the world. He's praying that you'll be delivered from the evil one while you're in the world. Verse 16. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the wor world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself so that they too may be truly sanctified. Sanctify means to be made clean, to be purified, to be, to be made holy, to be set apart for God's use. Jesus' prayer in the face of hatred is, Father, protect them from the evil one and make them holy. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world, but I'm sending them into the world. Father, they need your protection and your cleansing. In fact, I sanctify myself, I believe that's a reference to the crucifixion resurrection, that they may be truly sanctified, that they may be truly cleansed. What I see in verse 16 is that we're sanctified by the word, and verse 19, we're sanctified by the work of Christ, that, we, that whatever happens, you may live well in this world. At the beginning of the sermon, I noted that Christians have a problem with public relations. Some of our problems stem from the fact that we've not learned to lean into what Jesus has prayed. We have stepped out from under his protection into Satan's realm and thrown hate for hate. I'll get us nowhere. We uh, have not allowed him to make us holy by his word or allowing the work that he started in our heart to continue in that sanctification process. We've given in to fear and insecurity. And if we respond to others out of that, it becomes problematic. My read is, on the world is that, in the short term at least, our, our world is not going to respond any better to Christians in fact, it'll probably get worse. Now, I don't think we're headed for persecution like China or Iran. But I suspect it may become much more uncomfortable to be a Christian in our, in our culture. And when that happens, the only hope you have is if you've learned to lean into what Jesus has said here. 
You lean into his protection. Yes, God, protect my heart. I know in the natural that it's, it's right to, to respond to hate with hate. But Lord, help me to be supernatural. To respond to hate with love. Love my enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use me. Lord, would you sanctify me by your word? You've spoken the word, your gospel, and I've received it. But Lord, it needs to go deeper in my heart. I know it. Lord, I need you to develop my character. I need you to develop my heart so that when I'm faced with opposition, that it's okay. Because I know I'm with you, and you're with me. I'm in you, you're in me, it's okay. Um, you know, that's why we spend so much time around here talking about discipleship. Um, that's why I, I teach the Grow Character course a lot. And if you've taken the, haven't taken the Abide in the Grow Character course, really recommend it. Um, and if you have taken the Grow Character course in the past, I'd encourage you to um, review it. Allow God to speak to your heart again through it. Um, I, know, I know that it's a lot easier to respond to difficult times when your heart has grown and your love for Jesus has deepened and you've walked through difficult times and you know that he's there and your faith has developed than it is to all of a sudden have a whole lot of hate and disrespect thrown at you and you're saying, where did this come from? I'm a nice person. So I encourage you, prepare. Let me leave you with the words of Jesus from John chapter 16, verse 33. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Let's pray. Lord, for people here who have to deal with all kinds of issues in their family because, well, because your word is in them and they're following it, give them grace and strength. Lord, when we see our culture hating, help us to love. Lord, I know in my own heart I can find all kinds of justifications to, to hate, but I can't justify it from your word. So Lord, help us to love just as you did. For God so loved the world, help us to love the world as well. Lord, I pray your blessing on your people. Strengthen them. Help the roots to grow deep. Be solid. Be encouraged. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page. Asbury Free Methodist Church.
Until next week, take care and God bless.